It Never Rains is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Oregon football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And frankly, I really wish my dad would have downloaded the GameTime app before the Washington game. He was in Seattle for the game, was looking at prices, was looking at all the other sites. Should have looked at game time because he he wasn't able to find the deal he wanted and he probably could have on game time. So, Dad, if you're listening, which I hope you are, head over to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Tyson Alger here on the It Never Rains podcast, joined by Aaron Fentress. We are two days removed from Oregon's 35-31 to win over Washington, a game that essentially all but wrapped up the Pac-12 North. We got a fun podcast up today, just kind of looking back at that game. Aaron, how are you doing, man? A big, big weekend for you, especially after uh, doing the double dip up in Seattle. Yeah, I got to cover the teams that I cover against two teams that uh, wear purple. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, this this is the the premier clothing podcast on the athletics. So. <laughs> now nah, it's a good weekend, but both the teams I cover. Oh well, no, I take that back because Seahawks. I thought they were going to win, but they lost. So I was one and one on the teams I cover. That, that that probably had to be one of the more like. I mean, Baltimore is a, a, a you know no slouch of a team, but you know, considering some of the games the Seahawks have won for them to lose a, a home game, that was maybe a little surprising. They are. They are two and two at home now, and both the losses came in games they were favored in, and they gave up off touchdowns on offense in both games. Three total, two yesterday. It's kind of crazy. And and Russell Wilson first time under fifty percent since two thousand thirteen. Crazy. Wow, um, man, that was a fun game on Saturday, was it not? I mean, like I, I I've been on the beat now for six seasons, and um, just in terms of just pure fun of watching a football game. I, I think that thing had just about everything you could have wanted from, uh, you know, an electric first drive from the ducks where everyone's excited to the next quarter and a half where everything looked bleak to a comeback to what you wrote about Justin Herbert, potentially um, maybe silencing a, a few critics. Um, yeah, that was, that was an overall just fantastic game. I thought. Yeah, definitely. It was uh it was the necessarily back and forth, but you had a team trying to sort of, in Washington trying to pull away and the other team not letting them get away until they finally eventually flipped the script on defense and then took the lead and took it for good. Um, the, the atmosphere, it wasn't, I mean, it, it was, it was, I was a little disappointed there were some empty seats even though it was a sellout. I guess the rain might have scared some people away, um, which you wouldn't expect in the Northwest. People should be able to handle the rain, but the, the crowd was pretty fired up. And of course they were so let down at the end. And I, I don't know about you, but I've always enjoyed covering uh, one of the aspects I've enjoyed about covering the Ducks or any team really is when you, they go on the road and win, and how the crowd goes from ah to ah oh, crap. Yeah, it's, so that was kind of that was kind of funny to watch the deflate like that. It, the the whole post game scene was was pretty fun to watch. Just uh, you know, we 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 had ta- we had talked about potentially how. Uh, um, you know, th- this this was a, a rivalry where, where two teams were were both really good, but there wasn't really a whole lot of hatred on each side. And uh, 
um, between between everything Troy Dye did after the game and, and all the players doing like the W down and everything. Um, I think I think we might have some heat, heated battles here coming in the in the coming years. Yeah, did uh, now Troy Dye is a senior, so it's easier for him to do that. Were some underclassmen doing that too? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the whole the whole the whole team was doing it. I, the whole I think, team uh, was doing it. Okay. I, uh, for my uh, final thoughts piece that just went up today, there's. Uh, okay. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven guys in, in the group shot all day doing it. So, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm okay with that. I think there should be a little, just a little twinge of hatred. And, and you know, if UW comes to Austin and wins next year, then they should go stomp on the O or something. <laughs> oh, most definitely. All right, so let, let, let's get it. Let's get right into. Um, a couple of the big, big items from this game. One, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what you wrote um, about Justin Herbert, uh, a guy who, um, you know, is, has has been, I think, the biggest knock with him over his last four years has been, you know, he's, he's hasn't won necessarily the big game. He hasn't really had that defining performance against uh, a, a really good opponent since since Utah, um, his freshman year, especially on the road. Uh, he right. had four touchdowns in this game. He threw for... Um, uh, uh, I think it was like, what was it? Like 270. Yeah. I mean, like an, an overall, like statistically very pleasing game from him, uh, inconsistent at times, but, but overall, uh, I, I know you and I were walk, walking out of the stadium and, and you, you sounded pretty, pretty darn impressed or at least more so than, than I've heard you talking about him in the past. Yeah, that was close to an A performance. I know, I know you're gonna be like, wait, that wasn't an A, but I, I do have a little bit of a spin on it, but, uh, it was good to see him rise to the occasion in a very losable game. And that's that's right. always been the thing, you know, even with Marcus. You know, Marcus was so great at times that they would just run away from people. So you can't punish him for not winning a close game when he's part of the reason why you're winning by 40, right? But in the games where they needed him to basically carry the team, he failed at against Stanford twice and then a, a couple other times. And then, of course, he figured it out his senior – or last year with the comeback against Michigan State and then the, the game at Washington State, which was losable, and he just went completely bonkers, one of his best performances. And so for Marcus, we hadn't really seen that moment. There was – I'm sorry, Justin. for Herbert. And, yeah. yeah, last year at Washington State, the running game wasn't there, the defense was getting beat. Where was Herbert? Um, the, the Utah game last year, the Arizona game last year. Although one of those games, he actually had a pretty solid game. But there were drop passes. There wasn't much help from the run game. So there were some – it wasn't all his fault. I'm not putting it all on him. But a superstar quarterback should at some point be able to rise to the occasion. In this game, he rose to the occasion, and it was good to see that. Uh, the only thing I would, you would take away is, like you said, he had some moments where it was like, what was that? Like, he missed some wide open reads. <laughs> and then sometimes he would find the guy wide open and throw a pass. And you're like, what is he doing? But he kept overcoming from that. That could have made him spiral downward. You're down 14. You throw the ball into the turf. Some people could fold. He didn't. He kept finding a way to, to make things happen. The real, only reason why I don't give him a full A is because of those moments. Because had he hit those passes, which he should hit, then it might not have been a comeback when they might have been, you know, leading going into the fourth quarter. And two of his touchdown passes were screen passes. And it's like, if, if you just if you throw the ball for zero yards passing line of scrimmage and your receiver does the rest, I can't give you all the credit for those. But he was on the road, down two touchdowns, hostile environment, and he made the plays necessary to win. And that's what we needed to see. So I give him a solid B plus, maybe A minus. Yeah, that was the most impressive thing for me because Herbert – Herbert and kind of what we've seen from this team over the last couple of years, especially when they play on the road, they're such a momentum based team. And uh, after that first drive, when he was perfect, I think he was like five for five for 64 yards and in the score. Um, 
he came back and it was the next like three or four drives where they just looked really bad. And uh, especially when they got down two scores at halftime with that crowd going and then Washington coming coming in and uh, getting that that pretty easy first touchdown drive to start the second half. Um, I if, if you would ask me right there, I didn't think they had it in them. I, I didn't think they could come back from a two score game on the road in this environment, especially with some of those passes that he was making. Um the, the the one thing I said to you when we were walking out was uh, at least when Herbert miss misses he misses everybody by about fifteen yards so nobody's intercepting oh, yeah. those balls <laughs> <laughs> he's not throwing anywhere near yeah. a soul um, but yeah they're down so yeah they they scored when they scored a touchdown pass to uh, Puka Nakua the thirty three yard pass when he kind of juke passed he juke did I nail it okay he kind of caught yeah. the short pass and juke passed somebody and took it I was like because in all the previous games when someone caught a pass. There's like six ducks around him like that. And he caught that ball and just scooted by one person was gone. They're up 20, they're up 28, 14 with 13 minutes to go in the third. It's plenty of time, but it's like, wow, they might really lose this game. But from that point on, man, Oregon's defense stepped it up. And uh, you know, Herbert and I think we're gonna talk about this guy later, Cyrus stepped yeah. up big time too. Well, that that was one of the things that I was talking to Shane Lemieux after the game, and he said, you know, in in past iterations of the these teams that he's been on. Uh, that play to start the second half, that probably would have been the backbreaker. He's, he said, you know, that's usually when, when the route begins um, in, in terms of the way Oregon had been able to kind of counter from those things. So I was, um, I, I, I was really, really impressed with the way that they just didn't let that thing get out of hand because that, that had all the makings and, and feelings of like, okay, Washington's going to go for the throat here and th- this game's about to get out of hand. 100%. Absolutely agree. Um, but they got it done, so good for them. Now on to bigger and better things. Uh, you know, you raise the bar after something like that, right? But we raised the bar last year after the big win against Washington. Right. Things went south, but I feel like this this is a, has a little different feel to it. So uh, you you had, you had brought up a point there about how uh, you know in in past games on on some of those passes that that Washington had usually you'd have Oregon guys on them like that, and that wasn't the case in this game. That the Ducks gave up 414 yards of total offense. Uh, to the Huskies, and that's that's the team's worst defensive game of the season. It's the first time they've even given up more than 300 yards since the Auburn game. Um, you did have timeliness that the, the team was able to kind of get things in gear towards the tail end of that third quarter and into the fourth where they only allowed, I believe it was two or three first downs in that entire fourth quarter. Um, do you think this was anything to be concerned about? Uh, about Oregon's defense, this this defense that we had been talking so much about over the last few weeks, or is this just a simple case of, hey, this was a football game. Sometimes you get beat, a uh, tough environment, playing against a competent team. Uh, what what did you kind of make of that defensive performance? Well, I, I was a little alarmed only because uh, coming in, we knew that Easton had struggled in conference play. He only had three touchdown passes. All in all, four or three or four games he'd played in conference, and he threw three in this one with no picks. Uh, so that was a little like, okay, well, so did Easton is Easton just finally figuring it out, or are the Ducks being exposed? I mean, you could ask that question. And then, you know, we did kind of wonder though, could Washington run on them? Because Russian Washington's rushing attack has been very good, and once they established that, that helped the passing game. Yep. So, like you said, over 400 yards allowed. Now, you know, no matter how good a defense you have, you're gonna have days where the other team just has your number like, like it's just a fact no 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 team's gonna go through a season completely unscathed in that way so i don't think it's a cause for concern but it definitely raises like you know uh, intrigue and what's gonna you know how is this gonna go ha- have they you know 
because it could be this. It could be that they got by with some against some weak offenses at first, and then they had a great game against Colorado, but that really wasn't who they are, and maybe it, who they are is between what they did against Colorado and what they did against Washington, and that we're going to see some up and down performances the rest of the year. So it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to find out. Did you did you watch that game and kind of wonder like how the heck Eason's been struggling so much this year? Because I mean, what I think he had four or five incompletions in this game, and man, he throws just an absolutely gorgeous deep ball. He he had that one where uh, <laughs> I, I forget which guy it was, but the guy just one of the few times where we've seen Thomas Graham just get absolutely just beat, and uh, that was that was as pretty of a pretty as a thrown ball as I've seen this season. Yeah, no, I mean, he definitely he definitely tore it up. Now, he did start to show signs against Arizona. That's another thing, too, is that maybe right. they figured it out against Arizona and then that transferred over here. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at you look at their run game, you look at him, uh, and the, the people who cover the team that I've talked to up there, and when I went into Seahawks press box, <laughs> there's Danny O'Neill, who's a, who went to UW, who's a longtime reporter up there. I went right up to him. I go, so, what happened? And he kind of just immediately launched into Chris Pearson's play dog in the second half and all that and so part of the complaints up there is that they're not opening they didn't open up enough of the passing game this year they didn't get more exotic they didn't get more um aggressive with a quarterback like Eason but then other people have said they don't really have necessarily these dynamic receivers to do that who are getting separation sort of like at the Stanford game so I think it's just been a, a situation where they haven't really been able to get everything on the right page and this is his first year starting with him and, and unfortunately for UW he's probably going to turn pro because he's probably going to be at worst a second round pick and and if you have a guy who's at at worst a second round pick talent, and you give him as much time as Oregon's defense was in this game, I mean that was kind of a, a <laughs> uncharacteristically shocking. Um, literally, the first time they touched him was was uh, Popo Amave's sack on on second and second and five, second and six there on that final drive. I mean he was that was that was as clean of a pocket as I've, I've seen Oregon allow since probably like twenty sixteen. Yeah, and UW has a really good offensive line, obviously. My my thing with Oregon, like, they've been getting pressure and making plays, but I don't, man, I just don't feel like they have a super dynamic pass rush. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I see a bunch of unblockable dudes out there. I just think they schemed up some good stuff against other teams. And, right. and this time they got, they got schemed back at them with protection, and they were able to get, got, you know, get bodies on bodies. And then you have to, okay, well, who's going to win the one-on-one? And I don't feel like UW has a ton of guys who are, used to be Oregon has a ton of guys who are just going to dominate in the one-on-one. Even Kayvon, he's young. Um, he needs time to grow. He's not going to go one-on-one against a future in a, you know, NFL lineman and just to destroy them. So give UW credit. Yeah. I was, I was, I was going to say, you know, if, if you look at Oregon stats coming into this game, like they're two leading, uh, two guys leading in sacks are Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Mace Funa, who are both true freshmen. I mean, they're going to be inconsistent at times. They, they, th- exactly. this, this, this is a team that's pretty balanced on the defense, but Man, like, can you imagine if they had a guy like Defoe on on that line and who could actually just like create havoc on his own? I mean, they yeah, like exactly. I, I feel like command this a double defense, team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Hey, if you're not listening to Seth Emerson and Rennie Curran on the Athletics Georgia Bulldogs podcast called Damn Good Podcast, then it's about time you do. In today's show, Rennie, who was once a linebacker for the Bulldogs, analyzed Georgia's defense in their shutout win against Kentucky. Make sure to click the follow button on the Damn Good Podcast show page for updates when new episodes release. Back to us. Let's let's move on to Cyrus because 
I really like talking to that kid. It, it was really fun to see him kind of like get his opportunity there and, and shine with it. Um, obviously meant meant a ton to him. He was in tears after the game and, and just talking about how he's wanted this opportunity and, and how he would do anything for this team. He he finished with 14 carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. All of those came in the second half. Um I thought it I thought it was a pretty standout performance from him because you didn't just see him kind of bowling over guys at the goal line. You saw him be a little bit more shifty than we've seen in the past. And I mean, I didn't think that dude could jump like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an athlete. You know, I, I'm a I'm a writer, so I have a mini a mini column slash film thing on on him and just, you know, basically saying it's time to free Cyrus. Like yeah. the idea that he got zero carries in the first half of that game is bizarre to me. And I, you know, I get that CJ's their starter and Dye's been their number two, but at some point you got to shift the dynamic, I think. And I think that game showed that it's time to shift it. And my biggest thing with, with Oregon is that they're not creating consistent just creases and, and, and gaping holes that fast back and just zip through and be gone like LaMichael, DeAnthony, and Barner. And plus, Dye and Verdell are not at that level in terms of speed and, and and burst they're not they're not true home run hitters in my estimation they're quick and they're fast but you know they're not that dynamic to where they have to be on the field so if you're if you're not creating those types of running lanes and you need people to pound it in there sometimes like we see verdell verdell is not af- afraid of contact but he's also right. really little give the big back you know more carries to sort of tenderize guys a little bit so have that 220 pounds coming in there and then mix in the, the smaller cats. And, and But Cyrus, at the very least, no matter how you mix it, it doesn't matter who starts, but it's criminal to me that he didn't get any carries in the first half. Free that guy, make him part of the consistent offense. Do, do you think if Cyrus's role increases, do you think Verdell is maybe the one who takes the biggest hit out of that? Because I, I do think Die is, is faster and shiftier than, than Verdell and, and gives something maybe a little bit different, whereas... Um, you know, uh, the, the advantage of Verdell over die is, is he's, he's better running into contact and, and is, is a more physical player, but Habibi Licchio, I mean, he's six one six two two twenty two. 222. Um, who, who do you think is kind of the odd man out there? If, if his carries increase. Uh, I, I honestly would take him from, from both of them. I, I would just play the hot hand. Like I would play all three of them almost equally. And if someone's hot, then right. ride that one that day and, and maybe make it 60, 20, 20 at that point. I mean, this is easy to say, but I say you go in just saying, we're going to play these three and see who has the hot hand. Not a situation where you're like, we're going to play these two and then, oh, Cyrus come in on third and one or goal line. Like, I, I think Cyrus needs to be in that mix. And it can, it can be tough to juggle that that way, but they like they did it before. I remember but there was one year when I was like fantasizing about them having 3,000-yard backs. Was that the... Was that the Byron, D'Anthony, and someone else year? Kiner? I, I, I try not to get too deep into your mind and thoughts here. So. <laughs> but there was one year when I was thinking, you know what? They could have 3,000-yard backs. Um, oh, it might, it might have been they, when they had uh, Freeman, <clears throat> Tyner, and uh, uh, um, uh, Byron Marshall. That was 13. Yeah, I think. Yeah, 13. That was I guess, I, I guess Freeman didn't come around until 14, and that's when they moved Yeah, Byron Freeman was the 14. To, uh, so, yeah, I can't remember who the three were. But yeah, I was giving Gary Campbell crap like that. You need to make this happen. He like looked at me like I was crazy. But uh, so there's there could be carries to go around, especially if you're running the ball well. Um, and of course, they were running the ball better back then. Anyway, I, my point is, I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you mix it up. Just Cyrus not getting a carry in the first half. That can't happen anymore. Make him a part of the three headed monster. Just put you know Verdell or Cyrus or Die on the depth chart. <laughs> 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at the stat sheet right now and, and kind of switching back to the passing game a little bit. Uh, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys catching multiple passes in that game. Um, and, and this comes after uh, the Ducks lost Jacob Breland for the season, who had far and away been Herbert's kind of most most consistent target. Um, big game from Johnny Johnson after a couple quiet weeks. He had, he had five catches on six targets for 90 yards. Uh, I think Jalen Red is quietly having a fantastic season. He had two touchdowns in this game. That's six games in a row now with a touchdown. Um, you know, definitely still not a, a a wide receiver unit that is um, a huge threat downfield. But they they were they were relatively consistent in this game. Um, and uh, you know, I I just saw your tweet uh, yesterday where you were highlighting the uh, the game winning touchdown to Red and. You know, there you even had a guy like uh, Brennan Schooler putting down a, a, a pretty pivotal block there to uh, open Red up. Yeah, I see a couple of Husky fans respond. <laughs> that wasn't no, blocked out. That was holding. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it was, there was a little bit of holding there, but you know, I, I, I didn't see a flag. I didn't see a flag. I know. Do what you got to do. <laughs> um, so, my, my take on that is that some of the younger guys have grown up like red yep. and Johnson have matured and grown up. They're running better routes. They're getting open more consistently and they're catching the ball more consistently. Whereas last year they were young. I mean, they were sophomores and they've just, they've naturally matured and gotten better. And yeah, they don't have that superstar number one guy, like, you know, even a Darren Carrington tight when he had his head screwed on straight, how dynamic that kid could be. But right now you have a bunch of consistently solid guys uh, who are getting open and, and creating you know space and targets for uh, for Herbert to hit when he does hit them? <laughs> my, my, Micah Pittman took that screen for 36 yards, his first career touchdown. Uh, he reminds me a bit of Charles Nelson's freshman year when he was probably you know number three or four on that depth chart. There was other guys um, that you could rely on more and more experienced, but when he's on the field, you kind of have to keep your eye on him because he has shown as a, as a freshman that. Um, you know, he, he can come up with pretty clutch plays. He had that conversion on third and long. I mean, his two catches were absolutely key. There was a third and long from Herbert and then, and then that screenplay for the touchdown that, that got the ducks within a score there. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect comparison. Um, it's just it, one of those guys who might be 33 or four, but every game he's making, you know, a wild play. We're like, wow. That, that was impressive. Wow, that was explosive. And that's what that's what Charles used to bring. Like, you almost forget about him sometimes. And also, oh, there he goes. <laughs> He's making right. a big play again. So definitely, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect comparison. And, and, and so in, in the grand scheme of things, this uh, the one thing we've, I think every Oregon fan has harped on the most this season has just been the consistency of the offense. And now you have uh, two games in a row where the offense has looked, I mean, obviously they had, had their moments in this game where they were pretty inept at times, but they put 35 points up on the road against a, a pretty good Washington team, 434 yards of total offense. Um, Mario Cristobal kind of had an interesting uh, uh, post-game thought where he was saying that, you know, he, he quit being stubborn and, and, and let, you know, Marcus Royal kind of take things over uh, and, and make adjustments in that second half. Just from a, a big picture, what what does this game, um, what does this game do for kind of your opinion of this offense as, as the Ducks head into kind of the, the final stretch here of the season? What have I been harping on for over a year? What was I bitching and complaining about coming into the season? I think it was the running game, Aaron. Gotta run a damn football. <laughs> they rushed for 288 against Colorado. And yes, they rushed for 154. 190, I think. Yeah. Um, geez, sorry. 
What? Oh, oh no, I was, that, 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 that's including the sacks and stuff. So. Oh, 154 net. Yeah, 154. Yeah, I, yeah, forget the sacks. Um, but the, their, their true rushing attempts were, were 190. Uh, that's what you need, man. That, that changes everything. And you go back and look at their losses last year. Look, look at almost all their losses under Crystal Ball. They're rushing for under 100 yards, which is just unheard of for a no-huddle spread offense that likes to run the football. Um, and once you establish that you can rush for – 200 or 200 or 200 plus that changes everything for everybody it changes everything for your defense it wears down the other team's offense it makes things easier on your quarterback and that's been the, the big difference if they can keep that going and with the defense they've been playing they should not lose the rest of the year until maybe the conference title game but even then who are they going to play in that game that that really makes you feel like they're going to absolutely lose that team utah utah strong obviously we'll see we'll see i mean usc could be there we'll see what happens at uc too but if they run the ball like that with their defense and Herbert, they should not lose again this season. You, you'll you'll appreciate this because when I was talking to Lemieux, he had this quote, which I I, I figured would raise your ears. He's like, you know, if 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 we were if we're ever actually going to actually play like that offensive line that everybody considers us to be, this that second half was when we needed to do it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that offensive line kind of recognizes, you know. They they haven't necessarily performed to the level that uh, you know a lot of a lot of us put them at at the start of the season, but um, they they were pushing guys around a lot in that second half, and and I, I thought it was a pretty overall a, a well rounded effort from both the, the backs and and the line there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, they they took control of that game up front. Uh, you know, I mean, for as, as much as we've you know praised Herbert and rightfully so. You know, it's not like he threw for 200 in the second half. You know, it's not like he was 20 of 25. He did what he needed to do in complement to the running game. And so much props to the offensive line. I've been, I've been harsh on them, and 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 uh, they they came through. And that's that's what you expect from them. I, two weeks ago, I saw something. Someone tweeted something about someone had rated the offensive lines in the country and had Oregon number one. This is before the Colorado game. And I'm like, what are they talking about? How do you rank this the number one offensive line in the country? And they can barely get their offense over 100 yards in most games against good competition. But the last two weeks, they've gotten the job done. Right on, right on. Okay, so the Ducks have Washington State coming up on Saturday. Um, this, this is a this is a a game that on paper, when you look at the standings, you should think that like, okay, you know, or Oregon's got this one. You know, Washington State is their offense is is pumping like it always does, but they they have an atrocious defense this year. But uh, you know, Mike Leach has has definitely had this team's number over the last four seasons. Um, any but before we get out of here, any any quick thoughts on on that game and and just uh, <laughs> covering a, a leech team in general? Utah shut them down completely. Uh, like you said, their 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 defense has been pretty pitiful at times. Like I think it'll be a reasonable game. I don't think Oregon's going to dominate them, but I, I think Oregon runs well. I think Oregon rushes for over two hundred in this game. I think Herbert has another solid game. I think they score in the high 30s. I don't think Washington State can score that much against them the way they've been so inconsistent. So I just, to me, I've scratched this off a li off the list of my oh-no games. Like we came right. into the season with a list of oh-nos and this was one of them. And now it's like, eh, I'm not even thinking about it. Like if Oregon loses this game, then they got bigger issues than, than we thought. Yeah, no, I, I actually completely agree with you. At, at the start of the year, I, I thought Oregon would win this Washington game and I had this Washington State game circled. Um, and that was but that was until we saw them give up. I mean, Washington State has been gashed on defense at, at times this year. And I, I think this Oregon offense is, is at least playing at a level right now where they should be able to do that just as well as anybody else in the conference has. Um, Absolutely. And then it's and then it's setting up for the big game at USC next week. Uh, they, they just announced a kickoff. What, what was that? What, what is it? What's the kickoff time? 
It's it's, it's a uh, five p.m. or so. It's going to be a prime time okay. game. I believe it's on one of the uh, the national broadcast stations. So uh, that's that's going to be a, a huge game, and it's going to have huge implications in the Pac-12 South, where it looks like Utah and, and USC are going to be the two teams going back and forth. So could be a potential Pac-12 uh, Pac-12 championship game preview, or it could be the game that really kind of knocks USC out of it and gives it gives uh, Utah um, the leg up here going forward. But um, I think overall, uh, the, what the Ducks are on a six-game winning streak here. The offense is humming. The defense isn't invincible, but we we saw them come up clutch in in certain situations on Saturday. Um, overall, a pretty good weekend for them. So, what do you make of USC? What's like? I don't, I don't, I don't know, know, man. They, they 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 have they have some of the most talent in the conference. They that I'm I'm going to be really looking forward to watching their uh, um, their wide receivers go up against Oregon secondary because I mean USC has just bonkers skill position guys including like michael pittman micah pittman's older brother um but yeah just inconsistency inconsistency and i think that's kind of been the big knock on clay helton during his time there is just uh how come you can't uh put together an awesome season with with these type of guys so they've lost to fresno state they lost by two touchdowns at washington lost a close respectable loss at notre name obviously uh they smacked around utah like it's like what's like who is this team uh, so if, look, if good USC shows up, Ducks are in for a fight. If bad USC shows up, they're going to tear them apart. But it's at they're USC, like, and they do, huh? Oh, I was just going to say they're like the Washington State of the South. Like they can go in and lose to a terrible <laughs> team, and then go out and rout somebody and look like, oh my gosh, how's anybody going to beat them? So exactly. But they do have legit athletes who can, you know, cause trouble with their athleticism. But man, you're right. They they can never. It just to me, the last 15 years have really demonstrated. Maybe not 15. Maybe it's 10 or 11 or whatever. Have really demonstrated just how great Pete Carroll was. No kidding. You no know? kidding. Because he 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 did have great talent, but he maximized that talent. They have not found a coach yet who can maximize their amazing recruiting classes. So this all these inconsistencies just further cement the legend of Pete Carroll. If, if, if we spend any more time gushing about Pete Carroll here, we're going to lose a lot of Oregon listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I, I, I had a lot of fun covering that game. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of this season because uh, um, at, you know, there, there, there's some talk about how if Oregon wins out, they'll be in the playoff discussion. And I, I don't think that's realistic because you're going to need a lot of people to lose in front of them. But we are completely realistically looking at a season that, we know is going to be in the Pac-12 title game and, you know, has the potential to end up in the Rose Bowl. And, and that's just in Mario Cristobal's second year. And we're three years removed from a four and eight season. So um, I, I think we're both kind of looking forward to covering the rest of this run here. And uh, we, we appreciate you all listening here uh, to It Never Rains, Aaron. Uh, any, any parting thoughts? Uh, no, I'm all good. I think I've said enough. <laughs> Wait, can, can, can we can we get a clip of that and and replay that? every? <laughs> <going> <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever happened. So, well, hey, hey everyone, th- thanks again for listening. This is our free uh, episode available on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it if you've enjoyed listening to this for uh, a rating and a review. And uh, if you're not an athletic subscriber, um, this is one of the perks. You can get in on our Friday episode. It's, it's uh, exclusive for athletic uh, subscribers. And uh, we'll be back on Friday. Yeah.